Sweet baby Jesus. That escalated quickly. Or did it? We're going to cover some tough truths about race, police riots, and violence on the Fat Man's Guide podcast. Chapter 13. America! What the hell is going on? Hi everyone, welcome back to the Fat Man's Guide. Today, uh, before we get things rolling, I just again want to thank you guys for all listening, being part of it, um, for subscribing, sharing. Um, if you haven't done that, please do so. Uh, I, I, I really want to thank you guys again for showing support, giving me some ideas. There's a lot of things I'm still planning on working on. And, uh, and again, as always, if you could go on to like, iTunes and give me a review, that would be amazing. Uh, give me five stars, that would be even better. And, uh, and again, like with this video in particular, it's going to have some tough, some tough stuff on it. If you feel like it's something that you want to share with someone, please feel free to share it. Um, I would love to be, hopefully, uh, part of the answer and not the problem. So before we get going again, uh, I've, I've taken the last couple weeks off. I had to do my real job. I had to grade a bunch of papers and stuff like that. And then last week I was going to do another episode, and that episode was going to be on uh, follow-up to my original America episode. And I wanted to talk, I had a couple questions about why is America's society so anti what it is you say that it was kind of built on. And, uh, and I was going to cover that, and then all the chaos went down. And then, of course, uh, the George Floyd uh, uh, murder happened, and... Well, as I said in my very first episode, uh, human behavior will destroy us a lot faster than this virus will, and I think we're seeing that right now. And, and so I decided to take a week off, and I said, I'm, I'm going to hold off on doing this because I really think that I want to let this develop, and then I think we're going to have a little bit more that we'll be able to talk about you know, in this episode and probably uh, subsequent episodes after it. And um, so, in getting to this, everyone the last week has been talking about fixing the problem. And I, I, I know some people are going to like to hear this, but I don't see anyone talking about the problem yet. We're angry, we're frustrated on all sides, and, uh, and I don't see us talking about what the problem is. And everyone makes it sound like it's easy. Everyone says, well, you just stop being racist. Well, how long has racism existed? And remember that racism is long before America. Racism has been happening for a long time, and it's kind of like when Donald Trump came out, right, when he was talking about, what are you going to do in the Middle East? And he goes, my son-in-law, Jared Kushner, is going to solve peace in the Middle East. Dude, shut up. That is dumb, all right? The issues they've had in the Middle East, I mean, if you just check a history book, the issues they've had in the Middle East have been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and very intelligent men all right, coming from the best intentions, have tried to fix that problem. The, the, the issue that we have is that when people want to fix something, we have to start looking at what the real problem is. And we've got to ask the tough questions, and we've got to talk about it in a way that is going to allow us to be able to fix things. So there's three things I want to talk about today. And I'm sure I'm going to have a couple more episodes off of this, and I figure why not, because it's actually a conversation that I talk about a lot in my classrooms. And one of the first things I always talk about is the fact is that race is the great American problem. And I, I teach in a small country town. I grew up in a small country town. And a lot of people, I think a lot of times the students don't necessarily get it. Um, because they don't see it. Uh, yeah, it's a it's small country town. Most of us are white. Guys, when I grew up in this town, I never met a black person in my life until I moved to Pittsburgh when I was 18. All right? 
And, and so for me, I heard about racism, right? I saw it in movies. I listened to a little bit of gangster rap here and there back in the early 90s. And I thought I understood what racism was, but I didn't, all right? I didn't. And so if we want to fix the problem, we have to start talking about what the issue is. So let me give you a quick story. When I moved to Pittsburgh, um, a number of the, my best friends that I made in college were black. And, um, and it was different because now I had to see racism from a different angle, all right? Well, first off, I was one of a few white people that hung out with a couple of my friends. So I was the token white friend. And I got to see a lot of people, uh, black people, who were very frustrated, uh, didn't trust white people. And I felt that. And I'm like, but I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. And not that all I've lived the black experience, but I, I got to see that there was a racial tension that I had never recognized. You know, um, my friends would always joke about the fact that, uh, you know, hey, if we're driving, you know, down a certain street, Jim, we want you to ride shotgun because if we have a white guy in the front of the car, we have a better chance not getting pulled over. And you know, I thought it was funny, but I never really recognized that it was kind of true in a lot of ways. I remember specifically one example of this was, um, if you've ever seen the movie, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. I had not seen this movie before this incident happened. And, I, and when I think about back on it, I'm like, oh my God, that's so true. When <clears throat> my friends and I one time stopped at a convenience store, just like in the movie, you'll know exactly what scene I'm talking about. We get out, me and, and two of my black friends, we walk in, I walk one direction, my two black friends walk over another direction. The guy who's running the store, all right, gets up from his seat, walks across, and so he can look down the aisle where my two black friends are walking down. I'm over on the other side of the store. He's not concerned about me at all. Now, why? Because clearly they must have some kind of criminal record. They must be really violent. Guys, these are art school students. They're not gangster thugs, okay? They just happen to be black. But when I saw that, it, it, I kind of found it to be weird that it's like, but, you know, that's just weird. And then when I saw it in the movie, I'm like, wow. I mean, like, literally, this is a daily experience for a lot of these folks. And so, you know, the thing is, race is a real problem because of the perception that people have of another group of people. Now, I've looked on social media and I've people, you know, seen so many posts, people talking about black violence and black on black violence. Okay, that sounds great. You're, so you're telling me that every black person is obviously violent and mean. So now you're treating black people probably like you do Muslims in the regards to they're violent and want to blow up everything. That's, that's racism. That's ethnocentric behavior, all right? And, and on a lot of levels, tribalism, which we'll talk about later. See, that's not fair to people. And when you have to exist like that, when you have to exist that someone is coming after you, that destroys you as a person. How many of you folks, again, you know, I'm more so talking to probably white America, when you feel that someone is talking behind your back and is saying things that is hurting you, how many of you folks get super emotional? You throw fits, right? You all get suicidal. You do all these things. That's a daily life for an African American in white America. All right. And so racism, racism is very, very real. And it's because of the perspective that people have. I can give you one last example of this. All right. A number of years ago, um, hopefully my, my friends are not going to mind me sharing this story. A number of years ago, uh, probably about five, 
we had a wrestling tournament at my high school for, for youth, little young kid. And we had, um, we had this team that comes down from uh, Erie locally. And uh, um, the, the coaches and the parents, of course, they're all, most of them are black. And they're very excitable, right? And they're yelling and screaming and they get all fired up, you know, and all this stuff. And what I always found amusing was a lot of the white parents, um, when we'd see them at different tournaments all the time, would be like, oh, you know, those parents, they're just ridiculous. They're off the handle. And I'm sitting here thinking, have you not watched parents, period? I've been coaching over 20 years now, all right? And I have mostly white, uh, you know, student athletes around me. Man, white parents are just as crazy. They're yelling and they're threatening people. I have heard parents threaten student athletes during my football games, all right? Don't tell me that these black parents are that way. But see, here's the perception. Well, they're black, they're violent, they're whatever. That's the racism we're talking about. That's the problem. What was funny about this one particular story at this tournament is I was the game management for it, and we're out in the hallway, and, and one of the parents came out and said, hey, you know, Jim, there's a problem. There's a big problem with that, 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 that team for Miri. I'm like, oh, geez, you know, because I know, I mean, it's, it's mostly white folks that are now going to be interacting and dealing with, you know, these, these folks who came from the inner city. And I go in there, and it's heated, all right? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? What's going on, right? And I try to, you know, I was like, hey, don't worry about it. I got it, you know, so I kind of sent a couple of other people. I started talking to the coach, right? And he was upset. And, and the, the, you know, he was a smaller guy, but behind him was this massive monster of a man, right? And uh, he's about six foot four, and... He was, he was a lot. He was well over 300, probably 350 pounds. He's a big dude. And, uh, and I'm talking to him. I get him calmed down. I was like, you know, sorry. He's like, we'll probably never come back here again. I said, I understand that. I said, you know, just if you have any other issues, please come to me. I will help you out. I'll talk to you. And we were able to calm things down. And what was funny was when this happened, um, the, the, the bigger gentleman, you know, was standing there. And he's just kind of looking at me. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know if I got to have an issue or something like that. Because, again, not because he's black, but because I get issues from parents all the time. He looks at me and goes, JP. And I haven't heard this in a long time. This is what, you know, they called me when I, when I was in college. Uh, it was my nickname when I was in college playing football. And I was like, yeah? And he goes, don't you recognize me? I'm looking at him, and I can see it in the eyes, right? And I was like, and he just goes, big cat. I was like, Oh my God, Big Cat, right? As soon as I said, oh my God, Big Cat, he was one of my teammates in college when we played football, this big massive mountain of a man who's standing right to me, wraps his arms around me, gives me a big hug, right? And you know, we, we, we're having this big guy hug, you know, for a second. And then we're sitting there, we're smiling, we're talking, we're catching up and everything else. He's talking about his kids. But here was the thing. Later on when I walked around, there was a bunch of my, my players who were, you know, sitting over another set of checks in the stands. And I walked over like, coach, do you know him? I was like, yeah, he's a college teammate of mine. And uh, like, I didn't know what was going on. I just see him standing toe to toe with you. And all of a sudden he just jumped on you. And I thought he was trying to kill you. I'm like, no, man, no, he's just giving me a hug. I was like, we hadn't seen each other in, in over a decade. And my point being, not that my kids were wrong, but the perspective of African-Americans within white community, especially those who have never seen the race issue, tends to be negative. And that's the problem. That's the problem we have to fix. All right. Now, again, I'm not saying I got the answer for it because that problem's difficult. But understand that racism is very, very real. And, and on a lot of different systemic levels, which I don't have enough time to talk about today, I probably will in the future. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is racism is real. And it's perception of people, particularly in white America, on what the realness of the problem is. The second thing 
and this one kind of upsets me, <clears throat> is police violence, police brutality. And of course, here's the thing. Um, there are bad people in every group. There are bad cops, there are bad teachers, there are bad construction workers. Um, hey, guess what? There are bad white people and there are bad black people. Here's the problem. The problem that we run into is that everyone wants to blame the police. They're all terrible. That's not fair. I have a bunch of friends who are in law enforcement who are phenomenal people who work their tail off to take care of folks. My little brother is in law enforcement and he is a hard working SOB who is always going to do things to the best of his ability to be right and just. There's a lot of really good cops and I know I hear everyone saying, well, if you got two bad cops and you got, you know, a hundred good cops and a hundred good cops don't step up, then you have a hundred and two bad cops. And I get that. Um, and there's a lot, there's a much deeper conversation there because I would argue in society we do the exact same thing. That's why people don't report stuff that is bad that's going on. When, when people don't report child abuse, when people don't report these different things, there's a societal issue there that, again, I don't have time to talk about today. But one of the things I want to talk about is we have to accept what the real issue is. There is police brutality, police violence, okay? So they're just bad. They're bad cops. Our problem is we're not talking about the problem. Why have we never talked about mental health for our police officers? They have, and I'm sorry, pardon my language, they have the shittiest job that there is. I mean, think about this. If you're a cop, the only people you tend to deal with are shitty people. Think about that. You don't like it when one person lies to you. Imagine if your job involved being lied to every single day. So now you've got these individuals, white and black, by the way, by the way, white and black, who they go to work every day, they get lied to, in a lot of places they get shot at, you do realize that there are people who have been in the police force. And now, I want to make sure I understand here, it does not excuse the behavior, but there are people in our law enforcement who have seen more, more violence than most of our troops in the military. We worry about our troops in the military, not near enough, by the way, but we worry about our troops in the military and their mental health when they come back home after spending three, four years at war. They're committing suicide, and they're struggling to, to re-put re, uh, uh, themselves back into society. And yet we have people on police forces and state troopers and stuff that have been around so much violence for not two or three years, but for 10, 15, 20 years. We don't talk about their mental health. Now, first off, in America, mental health is a joke. We talk about it, but we never try to help anyone with it. We just talk about it. But these police, um, these police that are in these situations, they see only the worst in existence. And what kind of amazes me, in looking at social media, I don't think most of you realize that uh, humanity sucks. It does. It's terrible. It's miserable. And these cops have to deal with it on a daily basis. And I think that if we really want to fix the problem, if you really want to fix the problem, don't take guns from cops, all right? Now, I'm not saying they need a tank. They don't need a tank. But try having law enforcement without um, the ability to stop someone. You take guns away. Okay, that's great. You take guns away. Let me explain to you what it's like in my world. <clears throat> so, teachers, we complain nonstop about bullying in schools now. Oh, bullying is so terrible. Well, we've had bullying forever. But I will say this, that when I was a kid in high school, 
Um, a kid bullies another kid. A teacher sees a kid bullying another kid. A teacher tells that student to come over. A teacher gives that student grief. That student, of course, says, I'm not bullying. Teacher grabs student, puts him up against the wall. Now, I know some of you are going to go, well, that's me. You shouldn't do that to a child. That's right. And then they continue to bully. I watch it every single day. I report it. I've told parents, your kid's being a bully. Well, you're bullying him. How do you fix the problem? You don't fix the problem, right? I'm not saying that we have to have violence, all right? But what I am saying is if you really want to fix the problem, taking guns away will not fix the problem. That guy didn't use a gun on George Floyd. What you're all telling me is he used a knee. It's not a gun. So the problem isn't the gun. The problem is the mental health of that officer. Again, not making it okay. It's not okay at all. That poor man is dead. But here's the thing, until we start talking about what we've put our, our police into, we, we, people, society, have put our police officers into these shitty situations where they have to choose between life and death on so many occasions. They get lied to nonstop. They don't get support from a lot of communities. And now you wonder why they struggle. Again, it doesn't make it right. But if you want to fix the problem, let's start being serious about fixing the problem instead of just talking about stuff so we can sound all noble and holier than thou art. All right, so that's my second point. There is a police brutality problem, but we're not talking about what the real problem is with it, and that is the mental health of the people that have to go out there and keep you safe. All right, the guys that you call when you have a problem, and unfortunately, it's playing out on a, on a portion of, of society not only black society, but anyone who finds themselves in a bad place, and unfortunately, because Black communities are so disadvantaged because of systemic racism, it puts them in the crosshairs, no pun intended. My third thing I want to talk about is this. Everyone who's talking about these riots, they're talking about, well, obviously you folks are bad and you make poor decisions, and why would anyone support you and help you? Folks, let's knock this crap off. There are, there are people right now that are trying to take these riots to overthrow your government. If you haven't started researching, I mentioned this about a week and a half ago to one of my former students, and all of a sudden I saw articles yesterday about this. I'm like, let's do a little research. There are groups. Now, I know what you're going to say. That's right, Antifa. Mm, Antifa's part of it. Of course they are. They want change. But you have right-side individuals, too. You have white supremacists that are trying to make Antifa and black people look bad. You have, now, if you haven't looked it up, this is really interesting, and I don't, I don't even know how I feel about this. But the Boogaloo movement, these individuals um, uh, basically are your, your, your millennial militant sect of people. These guys want to overthrow the system we have, period. And they're going to take advantage of this. They want to defend protesters. They want to set up situations where the rioting continues to increase so that they can force change. All right? And before you go, are they right or left? They're really not. I mean, if you look at this group, you have white supremacists in the group that are working with gay people, gay, transgender, all these different people. And here's the thing. They all don't agree on anything. They agree on two things. Number one, we want to have our guns and be able to use them. Number two, we want to overthrow a tenerical system. That's it. That's it. And trust me, they are going to take advantage of this situation to be able to do it. Because it's the perfect situation at the perfect time. I mean, think about this. When I made that very first episode of the Fat Man's Guide podcast, I talked about the human menace. You guys who've been listening to all these, you'll remember it. 
This is the moment that was in my mind. I knew this two and a half months ago. When you take a broken system, which it is, you've heard me say this, this is a broken system. It's corrupt as hell. And you take a broken people who've been trapped inside for two, three months, you're sitting there at 20% unemployment, all right? Um, you have a government in some places that's overstepping its bounds, right? Uh, to be able to utilize it as a power grab. You have politicians who are basically playing political games while trying to help the people. Bullcrap, you're not, all right? So you have a broken system with broken people, all right? You have a pandemic. Basically, all of us just spent three months figuring out that probably half of what we thought was important in life was really worthless. It was really dumb. We then started dividing people, all right? You know, let's let's look back a month ago. We have protests with guns in 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 uh, uh, government buildings, where we're talking about you got to let everyone free. You got to let us out of our houses. And if if anyone were to show up with guns at half these other riots right now, there'd be problems, right? So now we got this divide of people. And so we've got this system that is is an absolute tinderbox for this type of moment. For that moment when individuals are going to be able to strive to do something to change the nation they're in. And so I want you to understand when you start looking at these riots, don't sit here and start going, all oh, those black people. <laughs> it's not the black not. Now, are you going to sit there and say, well, yeah, I see black people looting a target. Well, of course you do. All right? Because human beings suck. And those people who did that, they suck. All right? Just as much as any white person would suck if they decided to steal someone's property. But again... In situations where people feel hopeless, that's what happens. They don't care anymore. And you may not think it's right. Well, you should care. Well, put yourself in the same spot. We just had people freaking out because they couldn't get out of their house for two months, right? We should be able to do this. We should be able to do that. Now, I, trust me, I know some of it was about work, and, and that situation sucks because people got to be able to find a way to get paid. But at the end of the day, we as human beings naturally flip out. And that's what I was saying in the very first episode of the Fat Man's Guide podcast. That the human condition is always going to end up putting us in a spot where we're going to do stuff that we know we probably shouldn't do. But because we're angry, we will. So the thing is, guys, as we get into this, if we want to fix the problem, we have to recognize three things about the situation we're in right now. Three things for sure, okay? That we can just start off with. I haven't got into your president. I haven't gotten into the political system. I haven't gotten into the systemic racism as a whole. Maybe that's another episode. If you guys wanted that, hey, throw, throw a comment down below and let me know. And I would love to do that. But the truth is, we have to acknowledge that racism is real. We have to acknowledge that most people don't understand it. Because 13% of our population is African American. Most white America truly doesn't understand it. And that's why there's a lot of white Americans starting to wake up to realize that there is an issue. Now, how each of us handle it, that's different, all right? Number one, you got to understand racism is real, period. Number two, we do have a cop brutality problem. But none of you are talking about how to fix it. And all you're saying is, well, let's take away the guns. Look, if someone wants to be violent, they don't need a gun. Instead, I want to talk about the stuff that we're putting our cops through which create the he mental health crisis that is causing this. Because that's where we need to start working, and we're not doing it. And part three is when we sit here and we talk about these riots, 
Look, it's your First Amendment right to be able to protest. Now, I'm not saying the looting. The looting is garbage. But their ability to protest is absolutely their First Amendment right. You want to talk about the Constitution? You better allow that. And I know um, the, the argument I get from people is, well, you know what? I thought COVID-19 was, was so bad. Guys, COVID-19, I saw people protest because they got, they, they, they got trapped in their house for, what, two months? And you got a group of people who feel like they've been oppressed for 200 years. Look, that COVID to them doesn't mean anything at that point. Because there's in their mind, just like you thought when you protested, there are bigger issues to deal with. They wanted to deal with racism. You wanted to deal with a generical government. Both of those are 200-year-old problems in America. So please, before everyone gets salty and ticked off, all right, at each other, hell, some of you are probably salty and ticked off at me right now after listening to this video, Please really reflect on where you're going to go with this. Because if you want to make things better, you have to start fixing the problems. Before you can fix the problems, you got to start finding out what the real problem is. So guys, hey, thanks for listening. Um, I hope I didn't make you all hate me too much. But I thought that those are real truths that need to be talked about. Please, if you got any thoughts you want to share, please put them down in the comments below. I would love to be able to respond. But also, you know, if there's more episodes that I can make about stuff, I would definitely want to do that. Um, if you get a chance, please like, subscribe, share, especially if you think this is something that someone may want to listen to, may want to use. Um, and, and like I said, guys, uh, I appreciate all the support. It's been phenomenal. I've had a good time with it. Um, and as always, guys, please live life to the fullest without excuses, even in crazy times like these. See ya.